This is the K-pop cast, and today we've got a hit rewind special. And this time we're taking a look at the year 2013. We'll discuss our faves and then debate which song remains the most iconic song for 2013, as seen through the eyes of 2023. Uh, disclaimer though, before we get started, there are going to be songs and moments that we miss inevitably. So guys, let us know what they are in the comments. But first, let's dive in to the hit replays of the year 2013. We have some incredibly special guests who were around in 2013 in the K-pop scene and have some like really great insights and opinions and debate arguments that they're going to share with us. First up, we have Joe from the K-pop cast Slack. Welcome. Hey, y'all. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for being here. And of course, we welcome back to the show Tamar. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to debate and maybe shout about how great 2013 was. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, it was definitely a great year. We were just talking before the recording about uh, just remembering all the um, all the great moments, things we missed and putting them in last minute. But anyways, it is time for us to do a really rapid fire recap of some signature moments to take us back to 2013. Tamar, we're going to start with you. What were some of your favorite moments from that year? Yeah, so my... Okay, like full disclaimer that I don't think you guys knew going into this episode. I was actually studying in Korea in 2013. Whoa! So I was, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So I actually went to my first moment, which was Dream Concert 2013. No which way. Which is a, like a crazy, famous dream concert with like every single group that we're going to talk about or like a good two thirds of them were in attendance that concert. Um, and I think that if you're like a girl group fan or maybe even not, you probably have seen that I got a boy performance by Girls' Generation where like the entire stadium is singing along with them. And that was that dream concert. But like Shiny was there, EXO was there. Like EXO, like as it was the only time I've ever seen EXO with 12 members. And they were mm-hmm. like an opener. Like they were little, like it was before Growl mm. came out. Oh, wow. um, and so, yeah, and like every. Buddy Under the Sun was there. Shiny was there. I'm trying to remember what the order was. Sister, 2 a.m. Uh, Tiara was there. Like, literally everyone was there. I used to have the poster, mm. and I think I accidentally threw it out in my move, and I, like, oh, think no. I actually, like, need to never forgive myself for that. Um, <laughs> and then the other big moment, which, like, I don't know if it's necessarily a big moment, but I thought in retrospect, now that, like, this is my career and I think about K-pop concerts a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came back from Korea, I went to an infinite concert in New York City at Hammerstein Ballroom, which at the time um, had what we now know as a crowd crush. And people mm. really early on surged to the stage when Infinite got on stage. And it was, the videos like were shocking at the time. And it was kind of the first time I ever thought, oh, wow, like K-pop really has an audience here because like this is the reaction that people mm-hmm. were having. People were so intense. Um, and luckily everyone was safe that night, but in retrospect, it's, it's like showed a lot about like, like K-pop fans to be, and just generally concert etiquette and behavior changing over time. So 
that those, those stood out to me. I don't know if those are like everybody's, but they were ones that I was at. So like these were my personal favorite moments, but I didn't realize I was going first. So <laughs> no, that's perfect. Next, we have Joe. What are some moments that stood out to you? So the moments that stood out to me, first and foremost, this is the year that G-Dragon drops one of his, I don't want to call it a magnus opus because I think that's the next one, but <laughs> Coup d'etat, he drops Coup d'etat and hey. one of my favorite artists in all music is one of his featured artists, Missy Elliott on the song Nilidia. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a tongue twister. One, it was one that he already that he had her on the song, but to watch the KCon LA live stream and see Missy Elliott come out on stage, oh. oh, and then not only does she come out on stage, Woo! she performs "Get Your Freak On" and she performs another song, and I can't remember. But aside from my personal enjoyment, and this is kind of. I'm having flashbacks to Outcast at Coachella because I'm noticing I'm more excited about Missy and G Dragon performing <laughs> than the KCON LA audience. I'm just like, <sighs> you're watching two legends, two masters in their genres combining forces on stage, and you're uh, like, when G Dragon performs, people go crazy. But when Missy performs, there is a pullback. Yep. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see mm-hmm. how this is going to go. Surprisingly, yeah. that reaction between K-pop and Western artists and K-pop and Black artists is some, is some, a thread that I've noticed in my fandom mm-hmm. um, where like Black artists that these K-pop artists either try to emulate or idolize when they perform with them the features are often called unnecessary, which like, mm-hmm. I don't like there are there aren't many artists I don't play about. But Melissa Arnett Elliott, 2023 <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee the yep. name. is one of the ones that I don't play about. And I'm just like, yeah, what an yeah. honor. G-Dragon is at the top of his field. Missy Elliott. Yep is at the top of her field, it would make sense that they are working together, right? Yeah. That's one that makes sense to me. I, yeah, I, was, I was actually say, there. Tomorrow, were you there the too? Concert. I yeah. wasn't there. I was still in <laughs> Korea for that one. You're in Korea. Oh, oh man. I was jumping up and down, especially Get right. Your Freak On. I was like, yes. Was, I might have been one of the only ones in my section. I was going to ask, was like, it actually like this, the, was the audience energy actually the perception that Joe had? Because like, I cannot imagine anyone being mm. like, oh, Missy Elliott, okay. Like, that's such a, like, a terrible... Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm just like... There was there was not as much applause for her as there was for mm. GD or other oh, Korean artists. Shame. It's true. Yeah, I, I remember feeling that and being oh. a bit confused or disappointed. Yeah. And I hate to say that, like, as a fan, that kind of set up my whole... Like, how I interact with K-pop fandom in general. <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. like, I'm always wary and then especially like more recently with more hip-hop and k-pop collabs i'm always on that like okay cultural defense like i'm gonna get you up out of here if you come step wrong and like bts has kind of been who have had me in overtime with who they've been collaborating with either in black music or in hip-hop because i'm like talk about like i dare you to talk about erica badu sideways and see Ooh. if i don't <laughs> and see if i don't like uh-huh. electronically jump you right 
Thankfully, <laughs> y'all got <laughs> like sense. And like y'all didn't come from IT, so <laughs> I'm good. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the second thing I have is the pe- like the front runners of Korean hip hop and Korean R&B today. 2013 is when we start to see them come out uh, as artists. Uh, Crush, Zion T, Lehigh, uh, Ailey, um, mm-hmm. John Park. Uh, mm, I got to yeah. rep for the shy. Um, <laughs> all come out <laughs> around this time. <laughs> and they're like in their early stages and then they eventually come, move out of K-pop and more into their R&B and hip hop fields. However, they become like monsters of the genre. Uh, So that was something that I was, had fun in reminiscing. And then the end of sexy concepts in K-pop for men and women, 2013 is kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, And I didn't realize it until I watched the video for Kill Bill. Cause the, like, Right from the jump, you're looking at somebody's pelvis. And I'm just like, <laughs> whoa. Woo. I was like, I was sh- I was shook because I was like, there. I have not seen anything like that in a K-pop video since then. In a minute. And like, I, like even like, oh, uh, 2 p.m.'s Grown comes out that year, which you should, probably should have known mm-hmm. what was going to happen <laughs> with the album title <laughs> Grown. Um who else? Like, those were, like, the t- biggest two off the top of my head. But, yeah, it's, like, sexy kind of begins its exit out of K-pop in 2013. Mm-hmm. Not not to say that there's not, like, sexy yeah. idols or sexy songs. We're talking yes. about a very specific concept here. Yeah. And I, yeah, how, how would we describe it or draw a line around it? Uh, for... I'm thinking like slinky dresses with a slit up the side and high heels and red yes. lip and yeah, leather, you know, f- body Oils, hugging greased up. stuff, <laughs> oiled, you know, bronzer on your skin. Shirt open you know, and shirt off for the what, men, yeah. for the women. Yes. Those like six, seven inch platform Stiletto mm-hmm. heels. That look of like what? What's her name from the? Uh, oh gosh, the never mind. <laughs> oh, the lady from the rabbit. Oh, Jessica, oh Rabbit? Jessica, Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Jessica. Jessica That's Rabbit. Good. Jessica uh, Rabbit. Kind of sexy is a great. The Jessica mm-hmm. Rabbit. Although concept. I, w- I will say though that you just reminded me about Wormhole from Brown Eyed Girls came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. it was like hey, the now. beginning of the end. But Brown Eyed Girls still never have let go. Ever. Right. Nope. Yep. Nope. That's why I love them because, like, everybody, especially Guyan, love to shake the table <laughs> with a sexy concept. Paradise <laughs> Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what was the the same year that Warm uh, Wormhole came out? Uh, Brand New World, where yes. she's like Great. covered mm-hmm. in body glitter with those uh, Christian Louboutins and nothing oh, else. Oh yes. <laughs> ow! Ow! I love her. Yeah, shout out to Guyan. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have Pidi Nim. Yeah, so here's here's where I have to make a little bit of a confession, I think. I don't I don't maybe I don't know if it if it's if I'm conf- confessing something that's bad, but for me in, in 2013 I do kind of consider my like true deep dive year into K-pop. 
So, you know, even though I was like listening and like I, I knew artists back in like 20, 2009 to 2010, for me, that 2013 was like the, the year that I started like learning names, learning the industry and a very uh, vital resource for me was Arirang's After School Club. <laughs> yeah, because that 2013 was the year that Arirang started After School Club, which was um, host, hosted at, in, initially by Eric Nam and Hambyul from the, the, I guess, band Led Apple at the oh, time. Yeah, I forgot he was mm-hmm. the Yeah, and so mm-hmm, yeah, and they, this was their first kind of like secondary show other than their, their music show, Simply K-pop, where they, you know, had artists come on, especially these these rookie artists who, you know, couldn't really make it on other shows. And, and you really got to, one, have a good English resource to learn about these artists and, and to see them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, interacting with fans because they would have fans call in and be able to ask questions to the artists. So, which sometimes going back, we're a little bit cringy at the time, but for me, especially getting, you know, truly kind of getting into K-pop and not really knowing the language, it was like such a great initial resource to be learning about these new new groups in the scene, which there were a lot of in 2013 mm-hmm. <laughs> because... Mm-hmm. The, the big three didn't put out groups, but there were a lot of other smaller labels that debuted a lot of groups that year. And then my my last thing. Yeah, really, really quick, quick, yeah, quick yeah. note on that. I um, I used to kind of be friends with Eric Nam, actually. And so around around that time, I visited Korea and hung out with him and caught up and um was just, we, we were just talking about how he he wanted to do more music, but his um, but his company, his label at the time, was just like one person and needed a lot of help, especially like paperwork and English translation. And Eric was just like stepping up, doing business stuff, and as well as you know a lot of interviews um, and like variety shows, like trying to bring in extra money. And so it was intentional <laughs> um, that he started branching out into into variety more and talk shows and like look at him now he's like say. king of, wait, of talk wait. shows and podcasts. But it, it was out of a need. It was it was out of his like English ability and because his label could not like push his music mm. career <laughs> at the time as much. Wait, wait. I want to go back to you knowing Eric. Did you know him through K-pop oh, right. or like you went we to college with him? him? No. Like <laughs> before, yeah. But before he debuted as a K-pop star, um, we, so gosh, I actually met him um, during a summer freshman year of college. I was doing a venture capital internship in San Francisco for like tech. Wow. And he he was not even in the program. He was sleeping on the couch <laughs> in, an, in the apartment of one of the people in the program. But I, you know, I saw that he's Korean as as uh, a young Korea boo does. I struck up <laughs> conversation about K-pop. <laughs> And I learned that he he was like, yeah, I actually sing covers and put them on Soompi sometimes. I was like, what? That's dope. And we kept in touch after that. Yeah, just we we were just two like young people in the SF intern mm-hmm. scene. So funny, I guess. Yeah, and we got along. Now he's like, it's like, <laughs> like a whole media empire from <laughs> sleeping on couches. Yep, from sleeping on the couch. Wow. Yeah. He has quite the this story. This is what happens when you give up a consulting internship at a big four. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And then just just to wrap up my section, my my last notable thing, just because I feel like it was so such a random thing to happen that year. But now looking <laughs> back, it was actually like really significant for what was going on was the 2013 music, YouTube Music Awards were hosted in Korea that year. And mm-hmm. Stephanie, right, you were you were explaining like this. This is really significant because it was, you know, a Western company, especially like YouTube, really recognizing the the audience in Korea, right? Yeah, yeah, the global audience of K-pop specifically after after Gangnam Style came out in 2012, I think internally at YouTube and a lot of um, Western media, they were like, yeah, that was just mm-hmm. a fluke. K-pop's not really serious, but actually, um, K-pop fans showed out in their voting uh, for these awards specifically. And so if you, if you want to share the big upset, who won, like it kind of cemented K-pop's impact. I was trying to remember. It was Girls' Generation, right? Was I got it was, a boy. Yeah, I got a boy. Was there anything else? I was, I was like, I'm pretty sure it was just that. <laughs> yeah, no, I got a boy one for... Which, which... It was Video was it, of the like, Year. Yeah, video, video of the Year. Yeah, Video of the Year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think, but like I'm YouTube looking at the list right now. Yeah, they want they won One against direction. Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, uh Miley Cyrus, One Direction. They beat right. Psy, <laughs> Selena Gomez, like some of the biggest names in um like American pop mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. creamed by girls' generation. And then they never did it again. <laughs> No, they did one in 2015, <laughs> but I think it flopped and they were like, eh. yeah. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I think it takes a lot to put on that kind of show just from behind the scenes. I work right. at YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Like Tiffany. Just coordinating everybody for something live. Yeah. Tiffany was caught so off guard, though, wasn't she? <laughs> I mean, I think everybody was, but like mm-hmm. Tiffany, you. I think that's why I love how she said how she ends the speech like youtube is my best friend is it your best friend i'm like it's so it's so very i didn't prepare anything because i didn't think i was going to win at all (laughs) (laughs) oh funny that's great stephanie wrap us up what are your moments from the year all right so um one notable trend is that K-pop groups started to turn their eyes towards Latin America as a market for concerts. We started to see um, like the popularity and like rates of revenue and stuff start to go down in Southeast Asia and then go up in Latin America. We're not we're talking Mexico, Peru, Colombia, Brazil. We started to see groups like Big Bang, Super Junior, JYJ, um, oh Dongbang Shingi, Yukis, like all book their flights over to um, Central and South America and really happy for those fans to finally be Mm -hmm. recognized in that way. And um, yeah, my other moments that I remember from that year are a little less fun (laughs) or maybe they are fun if you like scandal. (laughs) So um, first of all, Rain, Seven and some other celebrities who were on military duty were caught entering a brothel slash massage parlor during when, when they were supposed to be like <laughs> on break or whatever, supposed to be doing military service and they received punishment. There was a big scandal in the news and like just uh, 
big shame for <laughs> for idols that had not really had many scandals leading up to that. So it, it kind of put some extra scrutiny on how celebrities are given a pass in the military service and like treated better. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we can we can go into more depth another day <laughs> about the, you know the Korean military service in general. But I just remember that being a huge story, big disgrace for these two idols who were both married yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, also, another sad. Um, news story was that Ailey, our our girl, our our sweetheart, had um, nude photos of her leaked online. And um, they were published actually on all Mm -hmm. K-pop. I remember this being just like a really sad story that that brought the topic of revenge porn to light. Like once it came out that, oh, her boyfriend at the time was actually an editor at all K-pop and it, like, I, I just remember the facts coming out like day after day and speculation, like, who was it? Who did this? What's the real story? And it, it came out that her boyfriend, who worked for All K-Pop, put those photos out. It's like, ugh, disgusting. She had, and through no fault of her own, just because she was caught up in this, she had to basically go quiet and leave the industry for a while. After after putting out her amazing album You and I, um, she was like peak of her career. Mm-hmm. But because of you know shame of the female body, shame of sexuality, shame of just all of this, um, she was forced out. Sadly, but she's back. She's back now. Don't worry. Finally. But yeah, do y'all remember that yeah, one? Took, yeah, that, I I, rem- I remember it happening, but I did not know about him being an editor at All K Pop. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Brings a new level of raggedy to it. So raggedy, trifling. Right. <laughs> Man. All right. And the last one, oh. our boy, G Dragon, <laughs> attempted, he says he attempted to pay tribute to Trayvon Martin by appearing in photos wearing a hoodie with black face paint, black paint, black paint on his face, aka black face. And it's like, come on, man. Now, the same year you're on stage with Missy Elliott, you know so much better. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to, like, the Trayvon Martin case for millennial black folk <laughs> was a lot of our calling to consciousness. So I remember at the time when this mm. happened, I was like, the, my mind was like on, what was that Fresh Prince? Uh <laughs> He he uh, he a little weird, but he got spirit. Like that was my thinking at the time. Oh, now in 2023, I'm like, uh, you ugh. no, <laughs> no, <laughs> and like, nah, nah. Man. Sorry, can't can't go with it. Yep, no excuse. Anyway, so that wraps up the scandals and signature moments of 2013. Thanks for listening. Now we're moving on to the fun part, which is notable songs. Who wants to talk about? I will, I'll, I'll, I'll kick the us first off. One. About this one. Yeah, so our our first track that we're going to get into uh, is very very near and dear to my heart. It is EXO's Growl. So EXO, they, they debuted in 2012. Like they entered the chat. But it was 2013 where they really take over. And it's because of how extremely massive this song was for them. 
Like, like on on a personal note for me, like it was the growl dance practice video, which led me to like really start my deep dive into K-pop. But it was it was such a massive song for them at the time. Um, do you guys do you guys remember when this came out? That music video. I'm, yeah, I like I remember it, but I was still in my infancy in K-pop, so I was very much a girl group stand. <laughs> But I do remember, like, so for EXO, I don't really come around until Call Me Baby. Although, oh, okay. Like, uh, yeah. You know, but I was the I same way. Remember, it was all girl groups. And then I was like, oh, boy groups exist. Yeah. And EXO's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> but, gr- mm-hmm. but, like, Growl is one of those songs that if you go to a K-pop event, you know it's going to be in the playlist. It, it, like, mm-hmm. Yep. And it, the floor is going to be packed when, <laughs> when the... Uh, chorus choreography comes in yes i remember being impressed by the choreography and i thought that the the song and the way the video was recorded was it in one yeah. take or it, it was, was made, made to look, look like, like one take was, yeah yeah it was made to look like one take it was made to look like one take maybe but still it was great i i remember being impressed by that it was refreshing and it was really apparent that the k-pop dance cover scene fell in love with it yeah i remember going to events and everybody's mm. covering that song I mean, to this day, like Joseph. And it, like, made EXO reach that that tier of, like, godhood in the industry. Like, well, right. like, literally <laughs> nobody cared about Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> like, unfortunately. <laughs> Although I will say that they later on for their concerts remixed Wolf really well. Mm-hmm. But, at, but, like, Ooh. at the time it was like, what is this concept? Why are they from outer space? Yeah, and kind of Mama, Mama. too was also, kind of strange. Yeah. And like yeah. the growl, the growl, everyone. I was like, ooh, I can yeah. get with this. This is legit. I think it, it was, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it was like, because they had been teasing EXO before their debut for like ages and ages. So like their pre-release songs were really good. And then Mama came out and then Wolf came out and they were both kind of like, hmm, this is interesting. But like nothing that like really hit. Very theatrical, yeah. fantasy, yeah. like very much in deep in the mm-hmm. concept. And then Growl came out and was much more accessible and it felt kind of like, oh, the buildup. And like you mentioned, like you got in Call Me Baby, like Call Me Baby definitely, like Growl's success led to Call Me Baby's style and everything yeah. becoming the EXO mm-hmm. image. And this, so like true, that song made EXO, I think. Yeah. I agree. All right. Next. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Did did you want to? I put names next to stuff, but feel free to pass um, it. I can do. This is one of my favorite songs of all time, so I can do all this right, one. Go for it. Um, I got a boy by Girls Generation. It's an iconic song that confused all of us after it came out, um, and then it became something that's like greater among music that like people still talk about as being mm-hmm. like an in, intrinsically K-pop song, like something that like is the exemplification of like what K-pop looked like in this era, like with the creativity, with the performance aspects, with the random dance breaks, with like the song shifting callouts. Like it was a very big production. And like they, um, at the end of 2019, I did for Billboard, like it was a decade in review. We did a few pieces and I got assigned two of the K-pop ones. And one of them was I Got a Boy. and according to the producers and songwriters, like, actually SM wanted it to be, like, a musical song. Like, the idea is, like, a musical, like, a full two-hour length musical in, like, 
a song. Mm. And that's why, like, that's the, the the story is, like, as if, like, this was a whole plot. And, like, that's with all the tonal shifts, you get all the different elements. And I just love that so much. Yeah. Mm. I, I think I love... Now, mind you, full disclosure, I was more of a Pledish fanboy. And, like, in being a Pledish fanboy <laughs> in the early days, it was, like, Pledish, fan, uh, Pledish fans or after-school fans hated Girls' <laughs> yes. Generation. And I Got a Boy came out, and I was like, actually, they were on my radar with the boys, but I Got a Boy was like, okay, I'm going to have to do a deep dive at this point because I, isn't this, like, one of the first times we get the beat change in a song like we speed up we slow down speed up slow down speed up mm. or at least it's like the probably one of the most famous early yeah the beginning of, of sm's like really experimental phase I, yeah their I, song I, within a song i'll kind of disagree with that one mm-hmm. okay because i think tvxq was doing like rising sun oh and right, right. were already they were like sm has always kind of that's like their thing is SMP, SM performance. Like that's their genre. <laughs> okay. So, I but I do think in 2013 it kind of set a lot of the, the that generation's K-pop going forward. Sorry, I, I don't want to sound oh, like no, I'm that's being like, not, like, I'm correcting everyone. 2013, 2013, I'm still new. So yeah, I and did, this I this is a song that a lot of people came to K-pop with. Like, this was one yeah. of those songs in that, like, YouTubers mm. react to K-pop video that came out forever, <laughs> which was a lot of people's gateway into K-pop. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I forgot about that video. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was definitely, like, a change-up for Girls' Generation, though, because it was, like, the first time all the boys, like, they were doing the sleek, sexy thing, but then this was, like, fun, kind of, like, quirky K-pop, really, coming into like its own it was like almost I wouldn't say it's like what Orange Carol was doing but this was kind of around when we started seeing like hugely bold colored music videos like it wasn't and it wasn't just because it was cheesy like it was like this is like I remember I remember watching it the first time and I was like it's like Hot Topic Lisa Frank and Forever 21 (laughs) blew up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. Oh my god, that's that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Cause like you got studs and everything on the clothes and the hats from yeah. like Hot Topic, and then the tight pants were like very Forever Twenty One, and then the whole set is like a Lisa Frank binder, and <laughs> yes, the colors. I was just like, I don't know what's going on, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I, rem- I remember hearing this and. You know, being impressed by the vocals, of course, like especially Jessica shined on this. Um, and I was impressed by the by some of the dancing, like in the hard dance break. I was like, get it, girls. I couldn't I could not get with the genre shifts. And this that that was kind of the beginning of the end for me oh, in no. Girls' Generation. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, oh. wait. Sorry. So I got a boy never grew on to... you? No. Wow. Wow. So like now, when you say beginning, I mean I'll, I'll sing along. When you say beginning of I'll the end, along, do you mean like it's... as a whole or just for that song? As a whole, Wait, <laughs> did you not like, they don't like really... Mister Mister? Right, like they don't really do. Oh, Mister Mister was pretty good, but that wasn't like that. You... I mean, like yeah, that, okay. I got a boy is very 
like it is what it is because it is what it is. That's not mm-hmm. going to make any sense. But like work, walk, <laughs> wait, walk with me on this one. As somebody who like got into Girls' Generation later and went back through all, all of their music, I Got a Boy is not like any of their other songs. So like you could have like Lionheart is my personal favorite and there's nothing like I Got a Boy on Lionheart. Well, and um, what was the the really big Japanese release? Because Karma, ba- Karma Butterfly is my favorite. Mr. Taxi. Mr. Taxi. <laughs> I think so. Or like the album. No, Love and Girls. Love and or Girls, Girls yeah. And Peace. Yeah, Love and Girls. Oh, Love and is Girls my... is the song uh... and the album is Girls and Peace. Okay, so Karma Butterfly <laughs> is my favorite Girls Generation song, period, right? But like Lionheart and any of their f- subsequent releases don't have that kind of genre. They kind of stay in their lane on all of their other, most of their other albums and songs. So, I mean... I understand because I also don't like genre shifts, but I Got a Boy is very notable because it's kind of like the only one where they do it that way. Now, Tamar could correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I, th- I think <laughs> it like... It is. It is absolutely they notable. They do it in other stuff like to a lesser degree. Like I think um, Catch Me If You Can does mm-hmm. it with like dubstep. It's like not yeah. as oh, intense, yeah. but like you have the tonal shifts. But I think... People always compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody because of like the tonal shifts, but I think it's actually mm. more comparable to Bohemian Rhapsody because both Queen and Girls' Generation have a definitive sound that that's one song that they're really known for isn't necessarily yeah. stereotype. Like it's not the epitome of what their musical sound mm. is, but they're always good and it kind of makes sense as a one-off, but it's like a random, weird, crazy, artistic one-off. And it's just so cool that it worked. I yeah. cannot imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, this is weird. And now I'm like, this is the best song ever. <laughs> so it, it did its oh, magic. I'm happy for y'all. <laughs> One day it'll happen for you, Stephanie, like on your deathbed. It'll Maybe. be like, I finally, I Maybe. get it. Yeah, boy. that'll be my last word. Like, it's, <laughs> the funny thing is how Stephanie feels about I Got a Boy is how I feel about the songs that everybody else loves. Like Bang, 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 R- Wait a Rhythm Tie. <laughs> Like that oh. type of sound in, I'm like with for, you. for guys in K-pop. Like that's become the guy sound for boy right. groups. <laughs> the guy sound. <laughs> and that's a lot of the reason why the fourth gen has just not worked for me because they're basically the kids and grandkids that of Bang true. Bang Bang and Rhythm Tie. And I'm just like, can't do it. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it is played out. <laughs> oh no, I disagree with that part, but I never got into Rhythm Ta. I, it was fun when I've seen it, but I still don't get it. Y'all breaking my heart with that mm. one, Joe. <laughs> hey, look, I, I, y'all, That's if fair. you were in the Slack, yeah. you know the fourth gen as far as the boy groups and some the of the uh, male groups and some of the female groups, the fourth gen sound is just not for me because they kind of remind me of Bang 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 and Rhythm Tide. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. like I've said before, ATs, if ATs just didn't do their sound, I, it would be perfect for me. <laughs> oh, so you don't like bounce? Bouncing? Bounce is the closest I've gotten, and it's mostly because of the performance. Oh. <laughs> ah, the choreo. Okay, now we're we're getting Sorry. off. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, Steph- Stephanie, let's let's well, move fair. on to our next song. Okay, our next one that is notable would be Size Comeback after Gangnam Style, Gentleman. 
I think, um, yeah. Basically, it's it's here because <laughs> it also managed to do like a billion yeah. views when everyone was like, can he do it again? Can he do it? And he actually put out like Gangnam Style Part 2 and hey, it, it hit the mark again. It was released in April 2013. It was viral, hit o- uh, over 100 million views within four days of its release. So he kind of cracked the formula, at least of YouTube and K-pop virality. And so we, we got to talk yep. about it. But I think that's all yep. we need to say. <laughs> I, I do think it, it was kind of worthwhile, like that A, people were still interested mm. in him at that point. Like it wasn't, just like the virality like uh, this is really gonna date myself here but after like let's catch up like nobody ever thought okay what song did they release after that mm-hmm. 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 but it or like nobody really knew what aqua was up to after barbie girl until now like it's but like mm. people at the time and maybe it's because of youtube like people were like tuning in to see like what he was doing next and I and I kind yes. of think that maybe a lot of that was because media at the time, just from my journalist perspective, was tuned in to Psy and K-pop was getting like a leg up. Like we started getting stories in media. We started getting like New York Times coverage of the SM Town concert. That was before Psy, but it was a little bit earlier. But like people in Western media had kind of been paying attention. And I feel like YouTube's algorithm at the time and just like global interest and media interest was kind of a big thing that this song showed was like, oh, the interest is there. And that's kind of where it led to where we are nowadays. But in 2013, Mm -hmm. I don't think it was that apparent that like that interest would hold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's really important to get that uh, background uh, newsroom perspective. From my my, uh, non-professional perspective, I remember this was performed a lot at high school dances. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Oh, wow. Really? Played at high school dances and then like at talent shows, like everybody was was still liking this after Gangnam Style. All right, Joe, you're up if you'd All like right. to so discuss the fourth the notable, notable song, song that we have lined up here is uh, Bar 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 by Crayon Pop, uh, which was released in June of 2013 and became a viral hit, eventually reaching number one on the Billboard K-pop Hot 100. Um, and the thing that I remember most was K-pop by this time, three years in, I knew the video that K-pop videos are interesting, but this video and song, <laughs> <laughs> like three years in, I already knew kind of what to expect from K-pop. This song pretty much shatters that and the <laughs> yeah. video as well, because we're in the most random locations and wearing the most random like their K-pop by this time was becoming in the early stages of becoming very stylized and it's just like we're on a break from grade school and we're just going to go gallivanting around <laughs> Korea and <laughs> abandon theme parks <laughs> and like, I really can't explain it. That's the other thing about it. Like, all you need to know is Bar 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 is a notable song for 2013. And go watch the video. Although another thing I do remember from this year, because this was like one of the few times I watched The Mamas. Mm. Crayon Pop performs this, but also like global oh, yeah. music is also in a weird meme place because... <laughs> 
um, <laughs> Ilvis <laughs> comes out and they also, they all perform What Does the Fox Say? <laughs> they did. <laughs> yes. That's so true. It was a weird time. It was so weird. <laughs> wow. Right. What a time. All the Gen Zers are like, what? I, if, oh, well, I guess they're too young, but I was going to say like my nieces and nephews know that song because all the parents now show it to the kids oh. because like it's very oh, child. To the kids. It's like instead of, it's True. that and Baby Shark. And I'm like, oh uh, my God, they all... <laughs> They okay. all know what the fox says. Well, maybe who's who's the new kids, the alpha generation? No. They don't know. <laughs> no. But yeah, Gen Z does know. You're right. <laughs> I, I I heard someone else humming Grand Pop the minute we started doing it. Oh, and this, I was oh, sitting here dancing and I was like, that's the, <laughs> the power of this song. Like we're both already like hearing it and like doing it. We know this song in the stupid mm-hmm. helmets. I can right. see them dancing in their Power Ranger colors and helmets. Yeah. Just <laughs> Oh my gosh. And um, no, tomorrow were you gonna say something? I was just gonna say they toured with Gaga. Yeah, that's exactly. What yeah, I was they did. <laughs> we're on the same wave. Like they did. Um, Although, like considering who Gaga was when she first started out, that makes perfect sense. Because mm-hmm. we all thought Gaga was like this weird girl, and we didn't know what she was doing. And I'm like, I think Gaga saw that and loved it because you know. Weird is her thing. Quirky mm. is also her thing. And it worked. I can see it. <laughs> I think the, the only other thing that I'll say about it was like, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember like what's also notable about this song was like the fact that the virality of it came from the fact that they were doing like these guerrilla performances outside. Like, and a lot of the 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 support for them, especially in Korea, was just like these people that were just watching their performances, especially when they're like outside performing in like negative whatever degrees, but still, you know, still keeping that energy and still being like giving such a great performance. I think it really endeared them to to Crayon Papa at the time. Yeah. I seem to remember one with like, they went to they did something at at one of the amusement parks, or was that just the music video itself? I th- see now, like now that I, you say that, I still can't remember if the original video I saw was <laughs> the actual music video or one of the gorilla performances because, like, there were so many videos that came out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our our notable songs that that came out from that year. But we had some debuts that were very important for the year. So, Tamar, can you can you kick us off? Who's who's this this group that debuted in 2013? I don't know if anyone's ever heard of them, but in June 2013, this this small seven member group called BTS debuted. <laughs> <laughs> um, with like, their album called too, too Cool for School. And, and you know, they're still somewhere out there, I guess. Oh, you yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you might have seen them last week on your TV or rather one of their members. Right. Ha <laughs> ha. But yeah, no, this is this is the big the biggest debut really from 2013. Yeah, is BTS, sure. which 
I, I remember at the time, not, I agree. I agree with Eric in, in our Slack. He mentioned that like, I, he was mostly listening to BAP at the time and BTS just kind of seemed like an unimpressive version of BAP. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, it, it was the three B groups. It was Block B, BAP and BTS. And yep. BTS yeah. was like the yep. bottom of the three. <laughs> yes. I have to agree. If I, if I really like teleport my mind back there, like past, like no, knowing everything I know about BTS right. in the future, <laughs> if I really go back, I was not really checking mm-hmm. for them in, 2018, in, 20, uh, in 2013. Yeah, to be honest, because I was like, oh, BAP already does this. Block B already does this. It's here. Here's mm-hmm. another one. Right. I was like, they're cute, but whatever. It definitely feels in retrospect having written a book on BTS and right. maybe being intensely knowing way too much about BTS and loving them for way too many hours of my life. Um, it felt like at the time that like it was very much like in line with like the trend in Korea of like show me the money taking off in hip hop, like having a moment. And I mm-hmm. think it only became apparent like over time as like more people like because there were definitely fans who like were like watching their YouTube videos since day one. But it, and I'm I'm wondering in retrospect if it was a lot of like the the fan translators weren't as big of a deal back then for like mm-hmm. random groups. So if you didn't know what was going on with like at their company and what each member's background was, especially like the three hip hop line, like it wasn't apparent. And then over time, their like narrative came out and we're like, oh, they like, this was like with intent. And like some of them are underground artists and indie yeah. artists. But at the time it was like, I just remember when they debuted, nobody in England, like I remember like all K-pop and Snoopy, like and all the outlets were like kind of confused about what to call them because they were like the Bangtan boys. Mm-hmm. Like I just remember that being yeah. a big yeah. like, yeah. issue. Yes. Bulletproof, Bulletproof Boy Scouts, like, I remember. Like there was no guidance on like what to call BTS from day one in English. And I just remember that being really funny. Mm. And the bus was a big deal in the music video. I don't remember why, but people were like really into that bus. <laughs> But I do think that, yeah, the Bs, Block wow. B and BAP were already active. And, mm-hmm. and like a lot of people were like, oh. Doing like hard hip hop mm-hmm. style, big gold chains, muscly arms. <laughs> for, for how old they were at the time. Mm. Oh, <laughs> we're so baby. <laughs> <laughs> but we can do push-ups. Right? And this, yeah. is, this is the image. Shout out Great. to one shot. <laughs> this is the image I have of BTS now. Like even even still, when I think of BTS, I think of this BTS first. <laughs> Wait, I'll be really? honest. <laughs> wow, with all the eyeliner. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes, the eyeliner is. So to key. be fair, they have gotten rid of a lot of their eyeliner over time, and I think they need to bring it back. Same. Well, I, I'm, I'm looking really, at you, Jimin. I'm down. Come on. I think that's a very Jungkook. 2013, 2012 K-pop. Like everybody in eyeliner. Yeah. Yep. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And your hair fried um, to the utmost and then gelled <laughs> in vertical, horizontal directions. <laughs> yep. Um, but I do think, I know we're all talking about like their debut, but their comeback was, I know was also that year. And I think that was the time more people kind of got what they were doing with like the messaging. And, and like that was a big thing at that time. Yeah. Just in general was like kind of the era when like, we started seeing like groups like New East talk about bullying and mm-hmm. BTS talk about mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Like this really was a moment when I think like the the groups like 
Block B and B, B to a lesser degree, but like we started seeing groups like with like messaging really come out that wasn't just about love songs. And nowadays to find just a straightforward love song is hard, but back yeah. then it was like the opposite. Mm-hmm. Teeny tiny debut. I mean, it, and I do like, if there's one thing, like when we talk about BTS and their connection with hip hop, like as somebody who's not into them like oh, the rest of the world is, but as somebody who studies like the history of hip hop and R&B in America and globally, you can see that they really get the concept of hip using hip hop or how hip hop is a power for, it can be a force for like, it can be fun to listen to, but at its base, hip hop is a force for political good vert, rather than going about it through the typical means of like, politics it's more of the voice of the people no matter where you are in the world and speaking truth to power over rhythm and with good flow and like even though i'm learning korean still i will probably never get (laughs) how things are supposed to sound but i can feel the intent in the language and the way they put their lyrics together especially in their when they're like getting it out the mud in their debut. Yep. Agree. You couldn't have put it better myself. So when we're looking at these other artists' debuts, let's try and speed through. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think it's good we give... Yeah, so, yeah. So I'll, I'll go yes. through, I'll go yeah, through yeah, my, yeah. my list in the interest really quickly. Of time. So yeah. also, yes. another, other notable debuts from that year, obviously, Eric Nam with Heaven's Door. We had Jejung... Royal Pirates, Infinite H, their subunit debuted this year. Um, Sunmi made her solo debut with 24 Hours. Mm-hmm. And CL, the baddest female, released her solo debut song, which actually had that title. Nah, not bad. Yeah. Not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Iconic. And then also History and Ladies Code. Right, Tamar? Yes, History and Ladies Code. Underrated heroes of 2013 debuts that went Woo. went to interesting places eventually for sad reasons. Yeah. Different sad reasons, but Ladies Code obviously had the tragedy, but then their, their music had always been good and then it mm-hmm. took a very cool direction afterwards. And History was my... <laughs> rookie group I was you guys I was rooting so hard for them they were like dude yeah their talk debut with Dreamer was like hitting my Broadway feels so mm-hmm. hard you guys it yeah. was like show tunes and big sound like they were they're from they were from IU's company and there was a lot of like potential there that they kind of never went anywhere but they had a few very interesting comebacks they had some really cool comebacks later on also um, but I think that like at the end of the day history's biggest addition aside from being my little rookies was that um, one of the members is now a very prominent producer who like works with BTS and Hybe quite pro- prominently, who is Jung Jung. He was also known for Friday with IU and now he's known as El Capitan and he's just a big producer. And I just think like this little note mm. of history. Yeah. I did a drum set. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why we do these rewind episodes. Like that's such a perfect gem that like I'm prob- I'm sure that a lot of K-pop fans today have no idea the history, right, of that producer where they came from or never heard of history and ladies code. So it's just we're doing 
God's work here, going back in time. So just to go through some more like notable mentioned songs. Uh, oh gosh, there was, there were so many fun, catchy songs that are still in my personal playlist. A few of which are um, Jay Parks, Choa, Taeyang, Ringa Linga, Teen Top rocking with that crazy footwork. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, Vix with Hyde, um, Block B, very good, very, very good. I, I can't like not sing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I already gave a shout out to BAP One Shot with the push-ups and like the riveting storyline. Shinwa, like iconic group, came back with their 11th album, the classic, and the single was This Love. I think that's, it, 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 does anyone want to like pick out any others from the list to make sure we mention them here? Um, rump, FX Rum Pum Pum Pum, which. Yep iconic song but that also gave us the interesting collaboration between Funny or Die and Anna Kendrick and FX <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> which was being what? a Funny or Die have you never seen that I'm I vaguely remember it's like I'm yeah, dusting the, it off the in my YouTube brain. channel <laughs> Funny or Die they had a skit with yeah. Anna Kendrick and FX where I Oh yes. my God! Yes. I believe she's it's like back to trying it, to be the next member of FX or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's right? like they give her a crash. Yeah, she's they give trying her a crash to be- course in idol mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. does the cup mm-hmm. song. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. It was a very her her stick. <laughs> oh, her face meets K-pop. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, just as as fast as we can. Think, call out our favorite. I think is the other one. This their song now being there. They're a, a big song They're and also back. the last one they did because oh. uh, it was very clear that they broke up after this song. Yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> um, Pink had their big break with No No No. Yeah. 21, Falling in Love. Very good, islandy, fun song. The, the, sing- the single before Crush the next year. The yeah. Crush album, yeah. Uh, Infinite had their destiny okay. failure of a music video release, which was very sad for everybody. The most expensive music video of all time never came out in K-pop officially. Oh, wow. Or the most expensive yeah. K-pop video of all time, not necessarily. They filmed it, and then there was a ah. it was, there was a plane in it, and that was there was a tragedy with a plane accident that year, so they never oh. officially released. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we have the the, the version B, B version. that exists. Yeah. Yeah, version A was later released, but unofficially, I think like it's not even on their channels or anything. But like it was at the time was like this music video costs a lot of money. Like I think it was like more than a million dollars for one music video was Mm -mm. unheard of back then for K-pop. I think now even you wouldn't have that typically. Yeah. And it would. Yeah, but back then. And they couldn't release it. (laughs) Right. It was drama. Dang. Down the drain. (laughs) But... Yeah, we're always crying over mm-hmm. Wooden Infinite. <laughs> All right, that about wraps it up for the debuts that happened in 2013 and the notable songs. Now we're moving on to one of my favorite parts of the Rewind, which is all of us sharing our personal favorite songs from the year 2013. So 
these songs may not have had the most impact or longest legacy, but this section allows us to spotlight those tracks that give us like that special nostalgic feeling before we debate the best iconic songs. So, I guess yeah, I could kick, kick us it off, off, Stephanie, since I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> No one is stopping me from listing albums, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm just going to jump in with because I couldn't decide. I'm I'm just going to be honest. I could not decide a single song from Lehigh's first love debut album. It is a no skip. It's heartfelt R&B. These songs make me cry. You know, for example, Pobble, Because special featuring Jenny Kim. These are just gold that still remains on my playlist as having just that that soul that not everybody can achieve. Yeah. And along those yeah, go ahead if you um, wanted to I think comment. I had to go back and learn about her because I saw a video in 2013. Uh I believe she performed at the Soul Jazz Festival, and she performed a cover of I Like It by DeBarge. It's either DeBarge or Switch. I can't remember the two in the... Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DeBarge. And the way she sang that breakdown, I was like, okay, first of all, let, young lady, you are too young to be... <laughs> first <laughs> right? of all, She's young lady. She's so young here. She's so young, but she hey, was now. just like... <laughs> I like the stylish clothes you wear. <laughs> I like the way you wear your hair. It's just the little things you do. And she sang it mm-hmm. with such a conviction. I was like, okay, little mama now, first of all, right? you singing this like you've been with your man for about 25 years <laughs> and you've been through a lot of heartache and brown liquor, but you staying right. because you like him. <laughs> and like... <laughs> Like, I had to get back. I had to get I'm into her discography you. at that point. And you're right. It's very, it's a it's a soulful album. It's very, I feel like good R&B feels like getting into your bed with a warm comforter at night. Ooh. And it wraps mm. around you. That's how this album feels to me when I listen to it. Mm. Love that. Yes, yes. Such an old soul she is. She got started so young and it's been great to see her rise. But this this was her debut album, everybody. Um, another album that maybe some of us, some of us K-pop cats listeners might not have heard of. Um, I really wanted to highlight it here. Uh, a group, a hip hop group called Untouchable put out their Trip mini album. And I just really encourage everybody to listen to the first few seconds, the intro to the song Trip, the title track, to hear just what I'm talking about. Soulful, lush samples of, yeah, classic soul and R&B and jazz with the rap on top, reggae style. It's just like, wow, these guys did their homework on Black music and just really appreciate it and are 
oh, I could just listen to that that album, all those tracks actually all day. So shout out to Untouchable. I was just looking to see what they were up to. And oh, really? I knew that like, okay, they Sleepy, hadn't been active, but Sleepy just released a song like five days ago. That's dope. I have to go and check it out. Yeah, I, I miss them. Yeah, yeah. You, oh, I, I think you would like it, Joe. Yeah. And then finally, oh. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Young from Big Bang, who came out with Ringa Linga. Ringa Linga Ling. <laughs> okay. And the, the song itself is pretty <laughs> fun, pretty catchy. But I just remember when this video came out it was it was big especially for those of us who appreciate Mm hip-hop dance it was i think that the music video itself or the first one that came out was the dance performance choreography video similar to growl it was made to look like it's filmed in one take it was taeyang with a bunch of dancers in the back and you can clearly see like black people in the forefront uh, of his team which like meant a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And just, yeah, just, just the, the, the artistry, the skill, the athleticism of this, of this routine stuck out to me. And um, I think, yeah, really, really set the bar going forward for this style, like aggressive, masculine hip hop choreography. I think the video was all in black and white too. That just like added to the, the hardness. Yeah. So yeah, I think well the, done. Like, this is one of those things where like cultures collide because when I first saw the title of the song, I'm I don't know if anybody else who is a fan of the K-pop cast is a fan of the Martin TV show, but like Ringalinga, and my mind is already going back to Shanene. Ringalinga Lang, like and the funny thing is the chorus sounds like how Shanene says it. Like you can't hear the bell. That's true. And like that always tickles me to no end. Yo. Yep, when cultures, cultures collide. collide. There you go. Beautiful. That's that's all for me. That's that's what I'm wrapping up in at night when I think about 2013. Tamar, I'm going to hand it off to you. Um, I am terrible at picking songs, especially from 2013. So I kind of like narrowed categories. <laughs> um, and my, my first one was the quirky kind of music videos and like fun songs, which I think I Got a Boy kind of falls into, but it was like B184, What's Happening, Four Minutes, What's Your Name, and Tiara, mm-hmm. and Four's mm-hmm. uh, John Won Ilgi. I don't actually, John Won Diary, I think the translation is. I don't think they translated John John Won. Um, these were like songs that were kind of just like upbeat and fun and kind of, weird and they were huge hits in Korea so maybe it's because I was in Korea when they were out and so like I just heard them everywhere and they got into my brain but like they're also amazing and I love them a lot um so like when I want to feel happy I still go and listen to these like I sing um B1A4 is what's happening at karaoke I'm terrible at it but it's it's like just upbeat and exciting and really ridiculous and there's something in the music videos with weird dummies um and I just think it's fun and I think that it was definitely like there was a moment this was like a moment of like fun creativity that like we still kind of harken back to that cramp that not cramp pop um that orange caramel like really owned in a way that like would come a few years later but like in 2013 we were like really feeling like k-pop was kind of getting like into its feels about <laughs> production in a way that wasn't like super serious ballads where like people are gonna die like in haru haru or like silly dance music videos or like cheesy cute little girls being I don't know, cute schoolgirls mm-hmm. or or like models at a store turning from dolls into humans. But like we had like concepts like Vix, like that was run the air when like they really became known for their concepts. Um, having mm-hmm. music videos yeah. for like hide and voodoo doll that were like creepy, but also 
intensely good music and good music and like the music videos, I think really came into their own. They were already good at this point, but like, I think like there was a little bit more creative fun happening starting around now. Um, and then I just want to give some shout outs to the, everyone is growing up um, with like Girls Days Expectations album. We got like their suspenders and, ex- and Expectation and um, I just really like that album and yeah. Kara mm. to Damaged Lady, 2PM's Grown album. Like these are all just like great eras. Like I think Girls Day, if we talk about, like people don't really remember them outside of like people who were around then. Um, but obviously now because Kara had their comeback, people are like talking about them again. And I think just like <laughs> grown, like, oh, these were just such iconic <laughs> moments that like were happening. Like you couldn't, you couldn't like, like where K-pop dance for girls, I think got to now. I wouldn't say it's all at girls days' feet, but I think that like the choreographies that they played with, like even the stuff that like we're not talking about, like Ring My Bell and like their earlier yeah. stuff, um, they just did a lot for girl groups I love, and like, I really and love them. But I think in, in oh, girls yeah. days expectation with the and suspenders. Like ex- ah, we get expectations in 2013. We also get female president in 2013. And if you thought that they came yes. out and took the year, wait until 2014. Because looking at 2014 in hindsight and what girls d- they did, <laughs> baby, listen. Because don't you look in, don't you look in my eyes. Don't you dare look in my eyes and lie again. Because I'm sick of being alone. Now drop it. <laughs> i It's Me by Kahi from who had recently graduated from after school, which is like my first, my first love girl group in K-pop. Um, she was the former leader, but she was out on her own. And It's Me is this very sleek Europop, uh, high fashion, like also shot in black and white, but it's like a high fashion like slightly voguing, but not, it's more pose. The choreography that she's known for, which is like powerful, it's very high fashion, hitting angles and looking at clean lines, which her being the queen of the S line makes total sense, right? Um, but I, the thing that is notable for me is this song and a few of the other songs that I am listening listing are the final bow for the women, the first ladies of Pledis. Mm-hmm. Um, so It's Me actually is very, a lot more heartfelt when I got into the history of it. So it's the first and last song produced by Alice Skye, which was the producer t- tag for the uh, K-pop singer Roddy Full Sky. So she writes and produces the song for Kahi, their friends, they met in Bible study. It's Me, the album, mini album releases on October 10th. Uh, unfortunately, Hanul goes into a, a 
Earlier in 2013, she's diagnosed with a brain tumor and goes into a coma in September of that year and passes away on the 8th of October. Um, Wow. And so I remember looking at Kahi trying to promote, but also the paparazzi pictures of her and a few other K-pop celebrities going to the funeral that same week. And I'm just like... Good night. I can't. I can't even fathom having to go to your homegirl's funeral and be on Music Core <laughs> during that same time period. Um, so uh, there's that, and this is also her final release in with Pledis because she leaves Pledis in 2015, I believe, after her contract runs out. The next song that I have is Sondambi's Red Candle, which is actually her last song uh, as a K-pop artist. Um, and the notable thing for this song is she's not, she doesn't dance in the video. <laughs> um, she's very, it's, the song itself is very understated. It's a Brazilian jazz type song, which shout out to the forever great <laughs> pin and musical arranging styles of Jung Hyun. Because, sir, mm. I need you to know wherever you are, you did that. Um, mm. Considering who Son Dambi was and all of her tracks, this is like the most unlike her. Um, and actually, shout out to Tamar. Uh, one of your writers <laughs> has uh, did a write-up on Sondambi, it's called The Vulgar... What is it? Hold on a second. Yes, oh. The Vulgar Aesthetic of Sondambi. <laughs> I remember editing that. And he talks about <laughs> It was Joe. Joe Palmer. <laughs> over the course of Sondambi's career, a lot of her videos, which I didn't think at the time because I was such a stan, but compared to the rest of K-pop, her videos and her music kind of comes off as cheap looking or cheap sounding. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about, like, the poetic ending of Red Candle, how it's kind of resigned and laid back, and it's like the candle goes out on a career. Which, mind you, if you talk to him, let him know that <laughs> when he wrote that, I was mm. in tears. Because Sondambi, Sondambi was, like, the first K-pop oh. uh, solo act that I was, like, really into I think one of my good friends, Steven, is the reason. <laughs> Sondambi is the reason why we met because uh, I was in the Sondambi tag on Tumblr and he wrote something about how Sondambi is one of his favorite artists and that's how we connected. So also kind of realizing that we've been friends Aww. for ten, almost 10 years. So that's wild too. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then finally, uh, not, but next I have After School's First Love, which is After School's Final Korean release. They do one more Japanese release after First Love, but it was critically acclaimed and slightly scandal uh, scandal ridden because the initial press releases were that it was going to be a Las Vegas type choreography. Come to find out, it's pole dancing. So <laughs> as an American, you're just like, okay. That's cool. <laughs> a girl group on the pole. Think nothing of it. For K-pop, however, 
Because, like, in the video, <gasps> they have, like, tattoos, and it's, like, go-go dancer. So, it's, like, it's very tame, but it very much follows what after school is, which is concept. Uh, we previously had the drumline concept. This is the pole dancing concept, and they usually are known for giving their all with the concept. So much so that I believe uh, Kyle... No, Lizzie tears a ligament in her ankle. <laughs> right. And Nana uh, falls off mm-hmm. stage after a performance and they have to continue promoting at six. But the song itself is so, I like, I wish I could describe it, but it's everything that I love about after school, but it's tame. Like, tame compared to Flashback, which Flashback was a monster. Um, Like, I don't know how you make a pole dance, which is in itself can be like an aggressive type of dancing. Mm -hmm. It's very soft and sensual and seductive. And we're talking about our first loves and I'm, I don't know how it works, but it just does. Only Only in K-pop, right? I do think it made like the concept of pole dancing in Korea change. Like I think that like at first people were very reactive to it, but then over time it was like, oh, it's it's a dance style. It's a it's an art form in its own. Like I like nowadays, like pole dancing is such an accepted like exercise, but I feel like in Korea, after the initial backlash, like we started seeing what was it? Who was it? Someone was eating <laughs> potato chips Probably. on it on like one of the poles, uh-huh. like it went like viral. Like one of the was it guy? Yeah. Like somebody was like she was like they like she was just up there and just like snacking. And like I just remember that clip going around. <laughs> like it was must have been a gift back then. But like it it like softened, like you said, like the the song was soft, but like the 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 art of pole dancing like came out. And I remember like there was like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was like so reactionary to it. Like, like, oh, now everybody has to start pole dancing for exercise and, and artistic reasons. But, like, it, I do remember, like, the yeah. response to it was way less intense than I thought it potentially might be. And it was a little bit more positive, like, oh, look at these <laughs> girls, like, doing this artistic mm-hmm. dance thing. With, we can stop thinking of it being stigmatized. That's a example and, like, of someone paving the <laughs> way. Fast forward Vegas. to, what, 2020, and you've got contestants on Mr. Trot pole dancing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, of course. It was it wasn't yeah, twice members oh, like Momo yeah. Yeah. on the poll. Yeah. Yeah, Solar. Solar, sorry. Yeah. And um, Mama Moo has done it. Like Solar has done it a lot. Yeah. Um so, so I mean yeah, I think that, like, like yeah. The three those they, are like after the school. big three of Pletus Pletus Pletus's early history, and they all in twenty thirteen take their final bows in K pop. Um yeah. which I didn't realize until I was going back and uh, looking. And then finally, I have Gun by Nine Muses because to me, this is my personal favorite Nine Muses song. And I think this is their best song of 2013. I think it's when Star (laughs) Empire, hold on, hold your fire, hold your fire. (laughs) Tamar, Tamar, hold your fire. I think this is when <laughs> Sweet Tune and Nine Muses hit their begin to hit their stride. I don't necessarily know because, like, we have Glue, we have Wild, and we have Gun. Gun is first place, Glue is second place, and Wild is third place. I love all three of them, 
but gun for whatever reason has a has me in a chokehold and it won't let go because it's so like the western vibe meets like a sort of 1960s Nancy Sinatra sassy type sound the vocals Aaron's rap it's uh like uh it's so good <laughs> now I will open myself to critique oh no <laughs> Oh, no, no. I, I do think, like, Gun is my, my maybe my favorite Nine Muses, like, fun one. But you said that earlier before we were talking. You said, like, this was, like, their first song where you felt like they really landed it. But Wild came out before Gun, and I love Wild. So yeah. I think they're both excellent. I think that they had a lot of good stuff. Oh, no, no, no. I know. I, I, do, I do love Gun. <laughs> I, I, like, I, like I want to put wild, that out there. Like I'm not too, fighting with you. I'm just kind I of like... Glue, but for some reason, <laughs> as much as I like those Gun... Just does something musically, I, and that's the other thing. I think Prima Donna is the album that this is on, and that album is one of my favorite albums from that year as well. I like, you know, it's music is music changes from person to person. I I'm trying to explain the best I can. And I think I'm failing. Just go and listen to it <laughs> and watch the video and watch the performances and hopefully you'll meet me in the same way. Michaela. Yeah, just yeah. quick quickly wrapping up our favorite playlist. So I've got I've got three three picks. One number one, of course, having to be shinies, everybody. Like everybody. the complexro dubstep masterpiece of the era of 2013. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just I, I, I could probably put the whole album on here, but just everybody is just one of those songs that has never left a playlist and like, I think back to that year that they they win Artist of the Year at the Mellon Music Awards for, for everybody. And you just, them just bawling on stage and then all the EXO boys come and join them. It's just, it's just such a important moment in, in shiny history that I just, you just have to talk, have to talk about it for 2013. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, yeah, Symptoms too. Like, oh, so, so many songs. Shout out to songs. Symptoms on that. Because uh, that's like their but, best. As far as like smaller groups that are smaller artists that maybe people haven't heard of, um, MFBTY debuts this year actually with Sweet Dream. And for me, again, this is my year doing my deep dive into K-pop. I I discover Tasha through this, you and me, Ray. What? Yeah, this discovery. Yeah, I hadn't really listened to her her or Tiger JK or Busy. So for me, this was like what? a really big intro to the, the history that they have in being, you know, OGs in Korean hip hop and R&B and being one just like so surprised by the music video because it's this very futuristic, bombastic, like tiger, like robot tiger attacks them. And like there's just there's so much going on in the music video and then also Tiger JK's flow 
as a rapper, it was so shocking to me in the beginning because it was it, compared to like the rap that I was used to hearing, especially in oh, K-pop, yeah. it's like not comparable. No, <laughs> it's no. another level. Yeah, it's a completely different art form. Yes. What he's doing. <laughs> so have have to shout out MFBTY for this year, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the last year is just Top Dog, T O W P D O W G. Like these, this they were my kind of I guess rookie for that year that I wish you know had done better with their debut for follow me but you know they'll, they'll always have a place in my heart and that's it Ooh. awesome wow. <laughs> thanks for highlighting those yeah it's, it's just yeah still trips me out how our our mindsets our perspectives were so different mm-hmm. back in 2013 compared to now so that is it for our personal favorites now drum roll <laughs> The moment we've all been waiting for. We're going to discuss which 2013 song forever changed the world of K-pop. Only one song will survive. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) Everybody, choose your fighter. (laughs) Are you rolling your eyes? You guys should see my expression right now. My my mouth is like, oh God. Uh, yeah. No, no, my mouth is like we clenched not together. So I'm like, oh no, how do know? we decide? We, we, we can see the nominees <laughs> like, here, but we don't know where this conversation is going to go. <laughs> can I throw one that we didn't mention? Uh, sure. I mean, we, we, we mentioned in passing, but Tiara number nine, like, brought oh. a certain dance, like, style of dance. Whatever, we don't need to do that. Never mind. I'm not, I'm not bringing this in. Like, like, we're not doing this. To, all right, like, the doors are closed. We're, we're at capacity, yes. you know. All right, so the first nominee is going to be from Joe. All right, so my nominee for the number one song of 2013 in K-pop is Bounce from If you're like me and you are watching your music shows and you see this older guy and I'm just like <laughs> with a guitar and a band and I'm like, okay, what's going on? Who is this Korean man who looks like Ray Charles and Roy Orbison? Which is actually funny that I made that comparison because of the impact this man has. So Bounce comes out in June or late April uh, in South Korea and... Uh, according to, because there's not a lot of Western-facing information at this point in K-pop, uh, from what the Recording uh, Association of Korea says, he goes number one on all local charts. Um, on it, international charts, he knocks Psy out of the number one number one slot on the hot K-pop, uh, K-pop Hot 100 uh, chart in Billboard, and 
they also credit him with like restarting the physical sale in South Korea, which they noted had been in a stagnation or steady decline since 2009, which was Sotaiji's, what we thought was his last album. And so Choi Young-pil is a legend in Korean music, full stop, not even just Korean pop music. Uh, He has a 50-year career. And to be honest, if you know his music, um, like if I go to my parents' friends, Pastor Junwon and Pastor Andrew Kim, and I say, do y'all know who Chil Young-pil is? They're probably going to give me the Korean uncle version of, boy, what you know about Chil Young-pil? Um, he's mm-hmm. like, he's yeah. that ingrained into Korean music and culture. Um, and the song itself, it's very light and breezy. It's more along the lines of a Sheryl Crow type or train, uh, singer songwriter type song. And if you know his work, it's nowhere near his best. <laughs> like, even if we talk about the last. 20, 15 years, like, bounce ain't touching dream. <laughs> um, but it's it's a very big moment because it's, it's, you know, South Korea giving one of their legends his flowers. Well-deserved. I think, oh, yeah, there was, um, we talked about Sai earlier, and there is a write-up in the Korea Times where the author talks about, you know, the Korean public, if a one-size-all formula for global music success does exist, it's probably sex. And Sai has that covered. After all the, <laughs> after all the aggressive thrusting, invisible horse riding in Gangnam style, horse is used as a derogatory term for women in Korea, which is also funny for, <laughs> for other reasons to me, the ever-decorous rapper is taking things further in his new song, Gentlemen. The new video includes a part where Guyan, a singer from the sexy girl group Brown Eyed Girls, lustily licks a fish stick drizzled in with mayonnaise. Oh. Um, and then at the end of his, uh, or like, yeah, at the end of the article, he says, if size music is for the crotch, chose is for the ears. No wonder Koreans are grateful for the old man. Yo. <laughs> what a great line. And like earlier on in the article, he talks about how South Korea is tired of the highly stylized boy mm. groups and girl groups that K-pop had been putting out, like Girls' Generation and Super Junior. I was like, okay, first of all, I mean, I get it. But damn, <laughs> and it's because it's very much like a boomer type article. It's just like y'all don't know what real music is. Cho Young Pill is <laughs> that dude, and like I get it, but like you're a journalist, sir. Like we do have now. I don't know how journalism runs in Korea, but I know like this reads more as an editorial than a journalism piece. But you know, aside all that aside, Cho Young Pills bounce is one of the one of the times where you first notice how Korean fans react to pop music in from their country versus how international fans because there was also some interesting things that went on with uh music shows 
where Cho Young Pil, I think, won, but he didn't have any votes <laughs> because they were strictly sales, not necessarily like nobody was talking about him on social media. And people were trying to figure out what's going on here. But, you know, it was more the love of the people like that put him in that spot. So that is why this is my choice for number one. Mm, the people's choice. Yeah. All right. All right. That's a good first nominee. Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. Tamar, who do you got? Um, my pick is, I think I mentioned this earlier. And if you if you know who, if you ever read what I write, um, I got a boy by Girls Generation. I just think it's a really great song. Can you stop. Let me put it down another way. I got a boy in my chin. I got a boy in Japan. I got a boy in handsome boy. Man, I'm not got your gun. I got a boy in my chin. I got a boy in Japan. I got a boy in handsome boy. One Japan and a boy. I may have at one point had a Wi-Fi network that <laughs> used AO5GG as part of it. <laughs> hey, if you will give right. me AOGG, AO5G, G worked really well. Um, I think that the, I don't think it necessarily like remade Girls' Generation, but it definitely breathed new life into their career at a time when like girl groups don't always last forever. I mean, I think like their career has proved you know, had gone through ups and downs. Um, but I think that, like, they had released the boys previously after, like, tons and tons of hits that, like, catered specifically to, um, like, the stereotypical Korean audience, uh, which, like, we kind of saw this happen with Twice also, where you had, like, really kind of cutesy pops, like, girl group bubblegum-sounding songs with a lot of, like, repeated hooks and everything mm. and then they released the boys which was a total change up and then I got a boy I feel like kind of brought it all together in a way that really felt like them maturing and also kind of the the k-pop industry maturing like it was like even if girls generation never really went back to I got a boy entirely stylistically ever again it felt like kind of a big shift for the industry of like giving nowadays especially like I wouldn't say necessarily that they're dancing and I got a boy was like what we have now remotely but like girl groups typically never did like choreo and dance breaks and I don't remember if they were the first group to have like specifically a dance break like that but like we started seeing a shift away from like these kind of more hooky songs. And I kind of wonder if maybe it's because 2013 is when we really started seeing streaming start to become more of a thing. Um, I'd have to like look at when Dia, like um, when streaming platforms explicitly launched, but like obviously music, the way like now songs are short is because of listening habits. So I'm like wondering if like maybe habits of like users on YouTube or because obviously this is a huge hit on YouTube, but like people were trying to be engaged more in a song and the music video. Um, But I just think that like it really set the groundwork for where we kind of are nowadays with a lot of music videos and songs and K-pop kind of having this. um, K-pop's always been had a connection between the audio and visual elements, but I feel like this song really, really honed in on it in a way that like 
was surprising. It was really like, a, it. I felt at the time after you got over the, what did I just listen to? And kind of like, what is are most of these members wearing um, and what are their hair colors? Like, I feel like that kind of surprise factor became a big element of what a lot of people were curious about K-pop at the time. And I think Gangnam Style obviously did this in a very intense way, but like that kind of, what is this good thing that I'm looking at is a became a big factor of K-pop for that era. And obviously still continue to some degree, but I feel like I got a boy did that. So that's my... My suggestion. Well said. I don't know. I, you you drive a hard bargain there. Right. I definitely ag- agree that it it. I I'm getting this visual of girls' generation just like I don't know carving out uh, a new edge, pushing the boundary, literally, <laughs> like pushing the fence out. You know, but I think your your pick also maybe does I, that a little bit in a different way. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe a, a slightly different direction, but you know, <laughs> similar Im- impact. So my my pick is CL, the baddest female. Nah, nothing beats big. just talking about i think this is a song that um push the boundaries of what is k-pop push the boundaries of especially how a female artist can present herself on stage and her music videos and just like that carved out a new lane i think for what girl crush can mean and can look like if you look at her her early performances of this song she is uh, i mean I'll, I'll i'll just say it right away she is totally committing all of the cultural appropriation <laughs> faux pas we got grills we got thick gold chains we got you know i don't know baseball jerseys buttoned at the top and open in the bottom you know chola <laughs> fashion and caps and sunglasses on stage but you know what it is it is the whole package and she is like going 10 toes deep with it and she is she is executing it like flawlessly she comes from the west right and just brings that that confidence that next level of knowledge about how to execute the the culture the style um that just shows shows everybody else how how it's done, how it could be done. Um, her rap flow is really entertaining. She just has so many iconic phrases in the song that we were, uh, I think they yeah, had Joe and I and everybody was shouting them out, you know, not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Okay, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and do the ani, ania, hey. Right, all of that stuff are lines that we are still singing to this day. And I would even go so far as to say there's nobody who has uh, nobody who has 
executed like CL in her lane, like to the level that she has since, since that. I mean, I'm, I'm open, open to hearing if anybody has suggestions of anybody who's, who's doing that style, like same or better. But I mean, maybe like Jesse is in the conversation, right? But Jesse really, Jesse really sent honey like a couple years after this, right? She's older, but still, um, yeah, I, I really just want to give CL her, her flowers, like looking ahead into the future and like the artist, the icon she has become. It all started here. It all started with the springboard of 21. And this year for, for 21, yes, they did falling in love, but their sound was kind of more easy, more coasting, you know, like the, um, easy, fun, breezy summer song. But CL broke out with the aggressive girl crush keeping that part, that part of 21 alive into the future. So it's one of my favorites to this day. I think our last nominee has some similarities with Miss CL. Right. So we're, we're wrap, wrapping up our, my, with my nomination of the number one song of 2013, guys, is another solo artist from YG. Of course, it's G-Dragon, guys. Young one, I'm going. his year like there was no i mean yes cl cl did her thing but when it comes to like solo artists that were really topping the charts and making a name for themselves in 2013 it's like you can only say think of g-dragon and the song crooked specifically well again coup d'etat was like a massive album and there are so many singles that you can you could put in this place but for me Crooked is just such a, one, as a song, it's such a, a template, I think, especially for just this angsty, rock, synthy sound that, one, was a, kind of, had elements that we were hearing in K-pop, but it also he, like, makes it his own. And, again, with the, the full concept of the video, really genuinely conveying these these emotions that are that are you know it's it's you know shot all in the UK and you just see him going around it's very chaotic and emotional and it's something that feels so genuine where in this era of k-pop you again you have these like you know super colorful um concepts it was so refreshing to see something that was so that you can connect with so emotionally and it felt so personal for, for G dragon. And for me, it's one of those, those songs that I feel like is, is what for that. I, in, if I want to introduce G dragon to people, I, t I show them crooked first because I feel like it's one of it's where you can see him the most clearly as, as an artist, as a person, as a performer, as the icon that he is. Okay, that's that was beautiful. 
given us a lot to mm-hmm. consider here. Yeah. Wow. I yeah, I do remember seeing that video and, and connecting with it on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Like especially especially just the because again, it, it's the these it's juxtaposition of these hype party scenes where he just going crazy and his hair is this is white and it's wild and then there are just these slow moments where he's just like crying in a toilet like yeah it it just it it it's something that i is so i feel like those songs were like yeah you can get hyped to it but then you can also cry in your pillow to it (laughs) and we know michaela loves a good cry in your pillow i love the dualities (laughs) That's so funny. It seems like all, all of us, all of us picked songs that like represent ourselves. Yeah. A part of ourselves in a way. <laughs> Stephanie's psychoanalyzing us as we're all just chilling here, picking songs yep. that we love. Um, right. <laughs> mm. How do we decide between them? What are our criteria? Like I definitely, um, like pushing the boundary, moving the moving the K-pop sound forward. So something that's future looking that influenced other artists into the future, influ- influence other songs. Staying power of the song itself. I think the... This mm, is tough. I think for my song, I think the legacy... For Cho Young Pil, the history has kind of already been written. That's the other thing. This is basically yeah. like a vic. This song is kind of like a victory lap. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, in terms of K-pop, like how many times a song is covered on variety shows or other music shows, that might play a part because yes. this song on King of somebody every year sings this on King of Mass Singers, um, <laughs> yeah, which like is a choice because as I said earlier out of all the songs that Cho Young Pil has written and the Korean people love that's the song but I digress mm. um, also I forgot like earlier this year a group called Phantom drops a song a hip hop group drops a song that I called Like Cho Young Pil which is actually really yes. good yes um but in terms of like the K-pop that we know and love, I think this is like what defines K-pop for Korea in 2013. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily K-pop from the Western perspective that we all look at it as. Mm. Um, That's a great point. So like Korea will probably put this as number one. But at the same time, I also have, there's a part of me that really wants to put I Got a Boy as number one. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with you uh, in all of that. I think that bounce is for this generation, like for the modern era of K-pop. Like Cho Young Pil is precedes K-pop, even of like the earliest idol groups. Like he was already mm-hmm. he's the idol mm-hmm. that all the K-pop stars wanted was were already looking up to. So I think like bounce is an amazing song. I love that song a lot, to clarify. Uh, but I think that, like, if we're talking about specifically K-pop, I wouldn't necessarily put it in the same category. Um, and I don't necessarily think it impacted just Korean music at, generally. Like, actually, like, mm-hmm. maybe a few years later, like, with Trot's rise and, like, the return to 
bands kind of music getting, mm. but I don't think that bounce necessarily was like a, like a, there wasn't a straight line to where we, the yeah. like music scene went. But I think I got a boy and, and baddest female, I think do crooked. Crooked, I, I'd argue that both crooked and bounce are kind of like the artistic individual like mm-hmm. moments, whereas right. baddest female yeah. and I got a boy, of course, are very integral to both of those artists' careers, like both of those acts, but like they also are, represent a bigger thing for the 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 industry and like where things went for like women in the industries particularly. So I'd argue that it's between those two mm, in my mind. Right. Sorry. I, I would I would agree Sorry, with you. Sorry boys. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry boys. We love you boys. No boys allowed. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. How do you compare these two? I I I it just occurred to me that if we were really recording this episode back in 2013, if we were doing like the end of year episode, mm-hmm. then yeah, maybe something that uh, was number one in Korea like that could have had um, more of a chance. But now that now that we are 10 years out, um, we have the luxury of hindsight and seeing what stayed relevant, what impacted future sounds and groups. And we should, we should take that into account. I mean, we didn't mention it, but I'd argue if we were looking at it, it would be like the three to pick between would be like growl, I got a boy and baddest female. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Growl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. All right. I am, I am starting to waver now in the face of I got a boy. (laughs) just in, in real time, because I'm looking at just CL's career in general and the and her performances in 21, like leading up to this. And it's all it's all included in a way that like this this debut is not is not like as iconic and special, like on its own, standing on its own. Like you have to have it connected to like what she was, her performances in 21 and a couple of the songs she came out with later. Like it's, it's just a whole thing. So in terms of a single song, I'm now leaning towards I Got a Boy as being just like on its own, standing on its own, pushing the boundaries. Um, yeah, have, having this major impact. And, and, it, and it is important and kind of, uh, funny that Girls' Generation didn't really go back to that style afterward. It was like, oh, we're put. We we went a little too far, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now we're reining it back in. But it was really important for that reason. How far it went. So I don't know. Other people's thoughts. I I am also on the the side of I got a boy versus the bad it's female. I think. If we're also looking at it from like a, I don't know what 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 is popular in the West versus what is popular in Korea, I I just I I think of the fact that CL was one of the the few artists that were chosen to perform at the the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She yeah. was she's one of the few artists that Korea chose to represent them, and she she performed the baddest female, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, which was a yeah. big deal. Like people were like, she's essentially cursing at the Olympics. Yeah. Yep. 
so 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 in that sense this this idea of of CL and especially this song being such a one an iconic song for that time but also an iconic moment for for women in Korean music. Yeah, dang. Yeah, I had forgotten about the Olympics performance. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't in 2013. Yeah. When does Hello Bitches come out? Because I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Isn't that... Uh, 2015. Was that 2012? No, 2015. Way after. She also performs that at the Olympics now. Yeah. Hey, yep. Because of the... Like, not only CL's work as a rapper or mm-hmm. a, a rapstress, but <laughs> that plus Paris Gobel's otherworldly choreo. choreography. I think <laughs> if Hello Bitches came out in 2013, that number spot would go to Che Lin, no contest, yeah. right? But in terms yeah. of, like, do you know how many times I go, let me put it down another way when I'm trying to work my way around a situation. (laughs) That alone kind of solidifies like apologies to Uncle Cho, but the the young ladies from SM have it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they killed it. I don't even like the song that much, but I got to hand it to him. <laughs> I still think this is like the funniest thing that came out of this this whole conversation is that, that like, that, good for you, though. Like, I, there are songs that I think all of us have I, that I'm we fair. don't see eye to eye. You are I'm fair. F- I'm, f- I'm fair and just. Let it be known. You're a queen, okay, queen so among mortals. I hereby dub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, right. See, this is this is the kind of conversation that's only possible on the K-pop right. cast. <laughs> <laughs> we we're not fighting to the death over our personal favorites. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can. Although that could, that could be fun. I mean, yeah, we could. I think Peter would love that. He's like, it's great for the ratings. <laughs> but, we- <laughs> but yeah, I think congratulations to... Sonia Shide. I got a boy. Generation. I got a boy. The most iconic K-pop song in 2013. So. All right. So that wraps up this hit rewind episode for 2013. You guys heard from us, but now we want to hear from you guys. So which K-pop song from 2013 do you think wins this debate for most memorable, iconic, game-changing, everything? So you can... Catch our poll on all of our socials at the K-pop cast. Woohoo. So wrapping up, especially with our special guests. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your insights, your wisdom, your jokes, all of that. Um, please let our listeners know where they can find you online and anything you're working on that you want to plug. I'm going to start with you, Tamar. You can find my newsletter, Notes on K-Pop, on Substack. Um, and I'm Tamar Writes across Instagram and Threads and Blue Sky, which I always think of as Blue Ski. I'm not currently active on Twitter X, um, so Instagram is probably where I'm most active nowadays. But um, if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, that's where I put all my work and share what I'm working on. And I 
don't know when this is going to come out, but I'm currently working on a holiday gift guide for K-pop hags. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so wow. this comes out, I don't know how successful it'll Signing be. Signing up. <laughs> but I, I like figure it'll be a fun thing to do. So I hope you guys all enjoy. And I'm going to go finish after this recording. I'm going to go reread that 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 article about Sunday because Joe really, you made me. I want to go listen to her and love her <laughs> all over again. Yay. Joe, where can people find you? So I am also on a social media hiatus. Um, If you want to follow me, I am at Journalistic Joe on Instagram. Uh, Journalistic, J-O-E, all one word. If you know me in the Slack, I just go by J-O. That's but (laughs) I don't feel like putting that much time in changing that at this point. Um, Also, find me in the Slack. I did. You can't miss right. it. Like I, I do some interesting. I do interesting Prolific. posts from now. From now, about every now and then, I did a post inspired by Tamar's notes on K-pop from a couple of weeks ago about K-pop being in English. So I did a little deep dive of American artists who have done music in other languages, like uh, Nat King Cole's "Autumn Leaves" in Japanese. And Motown mm-hmm. in German, Spanish, and Italian. Yeah, I had no idea. See, these are the kinds that. of gems you can find in our Slack. Thank you, Joe, for sharing. All right, you can find me at Catchlight27 on Instagram. And yeah, you know what? I'm not really active on Twitter slash X either anymore. So I'm going to fade out on that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Michaela? And I am at Majela. Oh, gosh. <laughs> New name. <laughs> no, I am at Michaela J K-pop on Twitter, and of course, you can find all of us at the K-pop Cast. Links in the description of this episode. Okay, goodbye, everybody. See ya. Bye.